This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. As you can see, we take Christmas pretty seriously at High Desert Word Center. We don't play around. It's not just some cute time of year. Christmas is a big deal to us. Why? Because if Jesus had never been born, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. If Jesus had never came to the earth, if you think things are bad, you know, in different areas of life right now, you have no idea how bad it would be if we didn't have a Savior to call upon. Christmas is a really big deal because Jesus Christ came to this earth. And so we're starting a series over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas called Emmanuel, God is with us. Well, where'd you think up of that clever title? I got that out of the Word of God in several spots. But Emmanuel, God is with us. And so I'm going to ask for a little help. I'm going to ask for a little participation over the next few weeks. When I say Emmanuel, you say God is with us. Does that sound hard? Can we do that? All right. So let's try this. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That just feels good on the inside, right? Because... If you're a born-again Christian, if you're a child of God and you say that, that means something because you really do know, man, God is with us. Now, we've been through a lot this year. You've been through a lot in your life, all right? I know your stories. I know you people. I know where you came from. I know that it hasn't always been easy-peasy, that you have fought some battles, you have Made it through some storms in your life. I'm well aware of that. And as I look back on every single thing that I have been through and faced, I can definitely say, Emmanuel, God was with me every step of the way. I did not fight that giant alone. I did not cross that stormy sea all by myself. Emmanuel, God was with me every step of the way. And as I look back over 2020 and every year before that, I can say with full confidence that God kept his word to me. He did not leave me for one single second of any of it. He was with me the entire time, and he is with me right now. And so in Isaiah chapter 7, I'm not flipping there, but here's where we see uh, well, let's just go ahead and do it. This won't be on the screen. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah prophesies okay, that Israel's in a whole heap of trouble. The whole world's in a whole heap of trouble. And he says there is going to come a day where a Savior, a Messiah, is going to be born. He will be born to a young girl that's a virgin. I mean, in that right there, we're familiar with the Christmas story. But again, this is an absolute miracle because that's impossible. And so Isaiah says, hold on, Israel, your savior will come someday, but you won't see it coming. He's going to be born to a virgin young girl. And, and here, look at this, Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14. He says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, this was like a thousand years before Jesus was ever even born into this world. And so Isaiah 
nails it on the head. Now what I want you to do is flip forward to Matthew chapter 1. And this is Matthew 1 and Luke 2 are are the two best spots where you're going to get the most information on the Christmas story. But we're going to look here at Matthew chapter 1. And this is a, this is a beautiful moment when, when Joseph finds out that, uh, his fiance is pregnant. Now we're excited about it, but, uh, Joseph's not super excited because they've never had a relationship yet, alright? And so, I mean, I don't know if, if I was engaged and, and my wife or my, you know, my fiance came and said, hey, I'm pregnant. Well, doing the math here, how's that possible? Because I know it's not for me. And, you know, that would probably send you through the roof. But look at this. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start here at verse 18. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 23. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what Isaiah said was going to happen. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He was going to dump her. He was going to break up with her. He was going to end it. But simply because he was a good man, he was at least going to do it quietly and not put it all over Facebook. That's a word for somebody listening somewhere right now. Keep your business to yourself, man. We don't care. We don't, I mean, we love you, but we don't want to hear that mess. Stop it. So t- follow Joseph's example. Do it. Keep your business to yourself. And so he's going to do it quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. Now, Joseph was a descendant of King David. And the amazing thing about Jesus Christ's lineage is that it was prophesied he would come down and, and, and be born of the family of David. And so Joseph, his stepfather, was a descendant of David. And Mary herself was also a descendant of David. Jesus was definitely a descendant of David, just like was prophesied. And so the angel says, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Is there anybody in here that Jesus came and saved you from your sins? Ah, man, I love Jesus so much. I can hardly stand it. I love Jesus. He saved me from my sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Here it is, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Emmanuel! Emmanuel, God is with us. And that is one of the most beautiful things that I can ever remind myself of, is that there is not one minute of my life that I am alone. And it's not because I've got four kids. That's part of it. I'm never alone. But at the same time, on top of that, I'm never alone because God is with me. And I love him for that. And so... How is God with us? Well, I mean, as I was studying for this, 
there's an endless list of things I could say how God is with us. Now, in one sense, all right, I'm not teaching on this today. In one sense, one application is that when Jesus was born, God literally came to the earth and lived as a human being. And so, yes, Emmanuel, God was actually with The human race, God was with mankind. This is called the incarnation. This is when God himself came to earth to become one of us. So Jesus flowing through his veins is 100% God and 100% man. And the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was such a human being like we are that he faced all of the same temptations and troubles that we did. Jesus can relate to what you're going through. And that's one of the great things about Jesus coming to this earth. He's not just some far off deity. He's not just some far off being that, you know, well, those guys, I feel bad for them, but I can't relate. Jesus can relate. He faced everything that you face. He faced family trouble. Do you know that? Jesus old or younger, excuse me, he has no older siblings. He's the firstborn. You you know, figure that out on your own. But he has younger siblings and they were mean to him. They were trash talking him. Jesus siblings, they didn't believe in him until later on. And so Jesus faced all of these troubles that we face. He can relate to what you're going through. So he was a full person, but thank God he was 100% God too. And he could do the miracles. He can save us. He can heal us. He can deliver us. Emmanuel. Okay, we're going to practice that as we go. All right, I'm, I'm going to need a little, uh, you're at about a four, I need you at about a ten. We're going to get there. We will get there, all right? And so, anyway, I'm going to pray real quick, and then I want to study two things today. And I want you to listen, because I believe that Jesus is trying to speak to you today at the beginning of this Christmas season. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your holy written word that we can study the Bible and you can speak to us in a great big way right now in 2020. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we open our hearts, open our minds to you today, you are speaking to us and we ask you to absolutely have your way in this service in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And so I'm asking this, how is God with us? Number one, he is our shepherd. Okay, that's fun. That's cool. Well, you say it that way because you don't know much about a shepherd, but I'm going to teach you a little bit about a shepherd today. So how is God with us? He is our shepherd. Now, in our modern day world, I get this, that we don't know a whole lot about being a shepherd. We don't really even live in a farming area of any kind. We got a little bit, you know, out here on some of the outskirts, but... In the Bible times, they were very familiar with what a shepherd was. In fact, the Bible mentions shepherds over 200 times. And think about it. The very first people that knew that the Messiah had been born were a bunch of shepherds out in the fields, right? They were out there and the angel appears and says, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And he tells these guys that the Messiah, the Savior has been born. And so Jesus and shepherds, they go way back and In fact, I'm going to show you in a minute what Jesus said about being a shepherd. But let's look at Psalm 23. Can we turn there? Psalm 23, one of the most famous 
chapters of the entire Bible. I mean, this is top five. People know Psalm 23. Uh, uh, nearly everybody is familiar with Psalm 23. And so I'm going to look at this in the King James today. Psalm 23. And I'm going to look here at verse one, starting off. Now, this is David writing it. And who knows what David's occupation was before he was a king? He was a shepherd, right? And so David is obviously very familiar with being a shepherd. And so Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, I love that. Now, but, but, but. It's phrased a little bit different than how we would say it. The New Living Translation, mainly throw that up there. Very similar. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now, the King James says, I shall not want. All right. And and the modern way to say that is, I have all that I need. And I think about that. Really, stop and think about that. If the Lord is your shepherd, what else do you need? I mean, what a beautiful verse. This basically sums it all up right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need right there because he provides for me. He protects me. He loves me. He's there for me. What else could I possibly need? The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. You ever try to, you know, you're asking people what they want for Christmas. And there's some people that I don't know. I I, I don't know what I want. And and, and I mean, there's some people that are just flat out hard to buy for. Right. Because they have all they need. And I'm telling you right now, spiritually speaking, the Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need right there. He is my everything. I love this verse. And so think about King David sitting there writing this as a young shepherd boy. He's like, you know what, guys? I am a shepherd to these sheep, but the Lord is my shepherd. This shepherd has a shepherd of his own, and I've got every possible thing that I need. What could I possibly want for in this life? Because I've got the Lord. Now, David was saying this, but let me look at these next couple verses here. Look at verses two through six. You ought to know the 23rd Psalm. You ought to be super familiar with Psalm 23 as a Christian, but that's between you and God. Look at verse two. David says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Emmanuel, God with us. Come on. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Well, is the glass half empty or half full? The glass is running over, baby. Come on. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. I don't have to like, well, is it half full? Is it half? What is it? It is running over when you've got the Lord as your shepherd. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's some beautiful stuff to me right there. 
Jesus is everything that I could possibly need. One of those verses says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's some boldness right there. You may be surrounded by enemies on all sides. And here comes Jesus and lays out a beautiful meal for you. He lays out a full table and they are, they're around you. They want to get to you. I'm sharing a meal with Jesus. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He protects me on every single side. I will not fear any evil because he is with me. And so if you can't tell, I'm a Psalm 23 kind of guy. You know, I try to use my imagination a lot. And, you know, you're like, hey, you're 35. Get over it. Quit imagining things and get into the real world. I don't like the real world. I, I like I like to focus on Jesus. All right. And so the 23rd Psalm, man, I read that. And some people are like, well, that was cool. I picture this man that I am in the green pastures beside the still waters. And people watch us. People watch us, Christians, and like, man. They have no idea. They, it's like they don't even know what's going on around them. It's like they don't even care. And I say, yeah, I don't care. I cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. I've got caution. I, 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 I'm, 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 uh, I know what's going on in this world. But to sit there and say that cares keep me awake at night, I cannot lie to you and say that that's the truth because that's a lie. They don't. I am with the Lord. I am in the green pastures beside the still waters. He restores my soul. What's your soul? Anybody know? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. He restores my soul. He gives me, you know, whenever my emotions are jacked up, whenever I don't have the will to go on, whenever these type of things, whenever my mind is playing games, I Go with Jesus, my shepherd. He restores my soul. You've got a beautiful gift in having the Lord as your shepherd. Other people want it. They wonder what you've got. You've got a shepherd. You've got a savior. You've got Emmanuel. You've got a God that is with you. And they wonder why you're not losing sleep over stuff right now. It's because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And so I want you to see, all right, what Jesus said in the New Testament. All right. And so we're going to flip over to John chapter 10. This was David in the Old Testament saying, hey, this shepherd needs a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. But look at this in John chapter 10. And and, and we're going to see some stuff here. And so we just saw a little bit of the Old Testament, but In the Old Testament, all right, check this out. God Almighty, Yahweh, God Almighty, referred to himself as I am. And you guys, I've taught on this. Maybe you've read some of this out. But Moses, God says, hey, you need to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. We've had enough of this. And so Moses is like, well, okay, I'll go. But who do I even say sent me? And God says, I am. Okay. God says, tell them that I am sent you and to let my people go. Well, that's kind of an obscure thing to say, right? I mean, imagine that uh, somebody says, hey, what's your name? I am. Okay, that's nice. But what's your name? I am. All right. Well, yeah, I, okay. Yeah, sure. But, but, but what's your name? 
I am. That doesn't make any sense, right? And because all of God's ways are just a little bit beyond our understanding, and I love that about God, because if he was so small that I could understand him, then he wouldn't be that big. But God is so big that I will admit, I don't understand everything about him, and I love that about God. And so God says, I am is my name. Well, what does that mean? That means that God is everything that you could ever possibly need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. If you are sick and you need healing, the shepherd says, I am the healer. If you're just so depressed that you can't take it anymore, he says, good news for you. I am the joy that you're looking for. I am the peace that you've been seeking. I am everything that you could possibly ever need. And so the Hebrew people are very familiar with this term, I am. They've been hearing it their whole lives. And here Jesus Christ shows up in the New Testament. And in the book of John, on seven different occasions, he uses this phrase, I am. And then he'll say something. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. He says all these different things. And, 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 and people are like, whoa, I am? Wait, wait, wait a minute. You're saying I, you are, I am? And some people are, it's starting to click a little bit. But look at this. We're going to look here at John chapter 10. And this is the fourth time in the book of John that Jesus utters this phrase. John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he is not their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. And so Jesus talks to a group of people that are familiar with shepherds and sheep and all that. And he says, listen, guys, okay, there's shepherds out there, but I am, I am the good shepherd or I am the best shepherd. Because some people, when trouble comes, they may have said, hey, I love you. I'll be there for you. I've got your back. But when trouble comes, they scatter and they don't protect you like they said they would. Because they aren't really a shepherd. They, they don't really have the heart for you that they said that they had. But right here, Jesus says, no, I know there's different shepherds out there, but I am the good shepherd and I will not run when trouble comes. I will stick with you. And a good shepherd is a wonderful protector of the sheep. A good shepherd will stay there and fight to the death for you. And Jesus went to the cross, the good shepherd, and fought to the bloody death for you. When trouble came, he didn't split and say, oh my gosh, he ran in and saved you in the nick of time. He is the Good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What else do I need? I love Jesus. Is anybody with me? I mean, you know, you're not just saying it because you're in church, but you could, if you were to be, you could just stop and say, my gosh, I love Jesus. 
He gave me a shot. He gave me a chance. He didn't give up on me. He was there for me in my lowest moment. Jesus was there when nobody else was. Trouble came and they all scattered, but Jesus stuck with me right when I needed it the most. I love Jesus and I am so grateful that he voluntarily came to this earth and decided to become one of us. Jesus does not run when trouble comes. Why? Because God is with us and the Lord is our shepherd. And now's the second thing I want to say is this. Number two, how do we know that, that he's with us? Number two, he is the gate. What? The gate? What in the world does that mean? Well, as I said, Jesus on seven times in the book of John said, I am. Now, one of those times, the third time that he said it, he said, hey, guys, I am the gate. Or some translations say the door. I am the gate. I am the door. Now, this is a I mean, I've, I've read this all my life. And honestly, I'm like, well, that that sounds neat. But I didn't always fully understand what it meant for Jesus to say, I am the gate. Now, if you don't understand, I mean, that just flies right over your head. So I want to explain a few things about Jesus being the gate. We're going to backtrack a couple of verses. And I promise you, when you see the picture that we're painting, you're going to say, I get it now. John chapter 10 and verse 7. Here is the third time that Jesus said, I am. John 10 verse 7. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Do we have any sheep in here? Sheep. All right. Now, if we're the sheep, we've got to have a shepherd and Jesus is that shepherd, as we saw. But this honestly is one of the more interesting great I am statements that Jesus said. And and again, this one, just some of them I, I can look at and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm like, oh. Totally. I absolutely get that. You don't even need to explain that. I get it. But this one, I want to I want to backtrack a little bit even more. John 10 and verse one. We're going to read the entire story of what brought Jesus to the point of saying, I am the gate. John chapter 10 and verse one. Check this out. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Okay, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Is there anybody in here where the shepherd calls your name and you know his voice? Some people aren't feeling that some people and I talk to Christians and they say, well, you know, I just don't know if I can hear the voice of God. And, 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 and listen, as a child of God, as a Christian, as a sheep, which you all just said you were, you need to recognize the voice of God. And when he speaks, we have got to be able to listen. He speaks to us in our hearts. He speaks to us through the Bible. He speaks to us at church. He'll speak to us wherever he needs to speak to us at. But Jesus said, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. You need to know the voice of your shepherd. No doubt about it. And so look at this. Verse four. 
after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. And so a word of advice for us in the end times, which I firmly believe it is, don't just go following every voice that you hear out there. You need to follow the voice of the shepherd because there's some big bad wolves out there that would love to come and lead you astray. In fact, Jesus even said this in Matthew 24. He said that some will come in my name and say, I am the Messiah and people will follow that. If possible, even the very elect will be deceived and people will just be chasing all these, you know, grasping for anything that they can get a hold of. Well, this guy says he's got answers and this guy says he knows this and and this guy says he heard that. And even born again Christians will be chasing things, looking for answers. I don't need to chase things. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. I don't have to go chasing it down. It chases me down because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've got everything that I need right there. And so he said, no, 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 no. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. If somebody comes up and says they've got some stupid revelation for you and it is not found in the word of God, run. Run from the stranger. Run. Run, run, run. You cannot afford any of that baloney in this day and age. You stick with the word of God. I'm telling you right now. So those who heard Jesus use this illustration, they didn't understand what he meant. What does he mean by all this? So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, or as the King James says, life and life more abundantly. So there is a thief out there, and Jesus says, I am here to protect you from that Thief. So what does all this gate mean? What does this door business mean? Well, I can tell you this. A gate or a door is the proper way into the house. Hear me out on this. That's the right way into the house right there. Now, whether they will admit it or not, the rest of the watching world wants what you have. If you're doing the Christianity thing right, they want what you have. They do. And I mean, and, and you'll see it and I can prove it. They start atheist churches. There are atheist churches all over the world right now because it has been proven time and time again by major universities. I don't even have to go into all this, that Christians that actually go to church on average live longer lives. It's proven. I'm not even speculating. It's been proven time and time again. I think it's Vanderbilt University proved that fact that Christians on average that actually go to church every week live on average seven or eight years longer or something like that. And it's been proven that Christian couples that actually go to church together, they're the, the divorce rate. I've said this a thousand times. Harvard University studied this out. The divorce rate's like 10 percent or something in the rest of the world. It's over 50 percent. 
If you are really living for God, the rest of the world sees what you have, whether they will ever admit it to you or not. They want what you have. I think about it this way. Anybody seen a great, you know, great, 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 great. This is a deep, deep illustration. Have you seen Home Alone 1? One. Side note. As a member of HGWC, you are allowed to watch Home Alone 1 and 2. You are not allowed to watch 3 through 12 or whatever they're on right now. Those are trash. They're garbage. 1 and 2. I'm joking. It's not really a membership requirement, but we ought to make it one. Home Alone 1 and 2, okay? And so, in Home Alone 1, Kevin's left at home, right? And so, he wants the thieves and the robbers to think that he's not there alone. So, what does he do? He stages this party, right? He's got a, a cutout of Michael Jordan on a train. He's going around, and he's got, you know, mannequin. And, and, and the thieves and the robbers are on the outside looking in, saying, man, we want what's in there. We want that. And I'm telling you right now, there are people in your life, in your world, that are on the outside looking and saying, man, looks like he's having a good time. It looks like they're doing really, really good. I want what they have. Well, to get what we have, you've got to go through the door. You can't come in the back way. You can't climb over the wall. If you're trying to sneak in, you must surely be a thief and a robber. Jesus said, I am the gate. Come through me and you can have this. But there's people, they want what you have, but they don't want to get it the way that you got it by simply calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved. They want to get it their own way. So they'll try to tunnel in. They'll try to get over the wall. They'll try to do anything they can do to get what you have. But there's only one way. Jesus on one of the other I am occasions said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you want to get to Jesus, you've got to go the proper way. You cannot try to get in on your own way. It's messed up to try to get in the wrong way. Think about it this way. What if you pull up to your house and you see somebody, it's nighttime, and you see your your neighbor's window open and somebody crawling through the window? That's not the proper way. Gee, I wonder if Bob's door's broken or something like that. I, 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 what's going on over there? Or would you say, hmm, it's nighttime. Somebody's crawling through my neighbor's window. That must surely be a thief and a robber because that's messed up. People don't do that to get into their own house. Well, man, maybe you've locked your keys out. or, or uh, uh, So he's the door. He's the gate. How many of you guys go through the door when you go home? There are literally people in this room. Alex does not go. Th- How do you get in? What do you do? I, I I can I can joke with Alex all day long, but you know some people I defend. But but I mean, how, how what do you do? Do you like burrow a hole hole through the roof or what? Listen, there's a right way. You got to go through the door, the proper way. Well, if you've got a gate, what do you do when you get there? You toss the grocery bags over the gate and then crawl over yourself? No, I'm allowed to be there, so I go the right way through the door. Anybody else? Doing it any other way, I suspect, is a thief and a robber, as Jesus said in John 10, verse 1. And anybody else trying to get in to the family of God, trying to get into the kingdom, trying to get the same blessings that you enjoy as a member of the family, if they're not going through the door, they're just some sort of backwards, messed up something, and they are not going to get what you have. There's only one way to get the joy that I have. There's only one way to get the peace that I've got. 
You gotta go through the door, just like the rest of us did. Now, the, 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 the primary purpose of a gate and a door is to keep thieves and robbers out, right? I mean, you know, hey, I, I, I like my front door. We just paid a bunch of money for a nice brand new front door when we redid our house. It's a great door, but I'm not really attached to that door so much. I mainly have it there so thieves and robbers won't come in. I mainly have it so unwanted things will not come in to my house. That's the primary purpose is to keep those things out. Now, what did Jesus say in John 10, verse 10? I don't like to, like, point things out, but I'm going to be honest. This side of the room was not very strong on that. So I'm going to, if you've gone to church here more than six months... You know John 10.10. We say that every time we preach, whether it's me or somebody else. Now, you guys shouldn't be too proud of yourselves either. That was very weak. The middle section, you did all right, but you do have pastors on the front row. So, what does John 10 verse 10 say? Okay, all right. We will give you a passing grade, but you had to look at the book, all right? So you got to know this. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, how is he going to try to do that? He's not going to try to just absolutely, you know, knock, knock, come. He's going to try to sneak into your life. He's going to try to come over the wall. He's going to try to dig a tunnel. He's going to try to do some backwards way to get into your life and steal kill and destroy so remember a minute ago we, we saw right here that jesus was telling him all this stuff and it says the people were confused that they didn't understand what he was talking about does anybody remember that it was 10 minutes ago all right and so jesus is saying you know hey the, the, the there's a wolf he comes and he scatters the flock and all this and the people are like ah i'm not following what you're what you're saying right there jesus and so jesus utters these words okay you don't get it that I am the gate. I am the gate. And then all of a sudden, the people got it. All he had to do was say, I am the, I'm the gate. I'm the gate that the thief would have to get through. And all of a sudden, it clicked with all these people. Why would it click? Well, after studying this out a little bit, I learned that in biblical times, shepherds, with flocks of sheep way out on the in the meadows and in the pastures, they would build these great big circular walls, circular perimeters with stones, and they would herd the sheep in there. And they could they'd make these things pretty high, and 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 they herd all the sheep in there. But instead of making it fully close, they'd leave a little bit of an opening in the front for the sheep to get in and out of. Now, shepherds are fierce protectors that will fight to the death for their sheep the shepherd wouldn't create a gate right there he himself at nighttime would sleep and lay down there in front of that gate he himself would become the gate himself if any predators any wolves any thieves any robbers wanted to come and get to those sheep he would literally have to get through the shepherd himself And that shepherd would fight to the death. Now, Jesus says, oh, there's a thief out there. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am the gate. He's going to have to get through me. If he wanted to get, 
If he wants to get to the sheep, if he wants to get to you guys and steal you, kill you, destroy you, wreck your lives apart, I am the gate. He will have to get through me so long as you stay where you're supposed to stay. So long as you will stay with the rest of the sheepfold, he will not get you. I will guard you with my life. And as I read that, as Jesus says, I'm the gate, I'm the door. It makes a whole lot more sense. to I feel a lot more secure than I've ever felt in my life right now because I am sticking close to Jesus. Now, there's some, you know, well, what happened to that guy? I can't speak for everybody. Sometimes the sheep run off, don't they? They get out of the, they get out of the sheep pen and they run off and do their own thing. And, and then sometimes the wolf comes, the thief comes and, and steals and kills and destroys. But it's not because Jesus didn't care. And it's not because Jesus is a failure as a shepherd. So I'm the gate. I will guard you with everything that I have. I would lay down my life for you. The good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. And Jesus didn't just say that. He actually did it. He came and he laid down his life for the sheep. Do you think Jesus is a good shepherd? Do you think he's the best shepherd? Do you think he's the gate that is protecting you with everything that he's got? Well, I can tell you right now. If we've got this confidence, if we've got this, this assurance, this trust that Jesus isn't just saying stuff and blowing smoke, so to speak, then we have absolutely nothing to fear. I'm confident. I'm secure. I'm very secure that no matter what comes my way in 2020, 2021 and beyond, that I'm sticking close to Jesus. Psalm 91 says uh, that, that those that abide under the shadow of the Almighty, that God's going to protect you. It is more important than it's ever been in your entire life that you stick close to Jesus. Don't you go wandering out there. Thank God he'll leave the 99 to chase the one down. Thank God for it. But I hope someone doesn't pick me off while I'm out there wandering around before he gets to me. He'll do it. He'll leave the 99 and chase that one down, and, and that's a beautiful thing, and I love that he does that. But I'm not even going to give the devil a chance to pick me off, kick me off the edge of the cliff before Jesus gets to me. So listen, it is imperative in our lives right now that we stay within that sheepfold and let Jesus be the gate. Let Jesus be the shepherd. Let Jesus be the great I am in our lives to let him become Emmanuel, meaning, what is it? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I love, the, I love Maxine. I love Maxine. All right, come on. Don't let Maxine shame the rest of you. Emmanuel. 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 God is with us. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Nobody, no thing, no one. God is on my side. And even better news, I'm on his side. I'm not fighting my own battles. The battle is the Lord's. God is with us. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.